Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bowen. I am the web editor at Hotel Analyst and joining me around the table of insight this week are Andrew Sankster, our editorial director, and Catherine Dogrell, who is the editor of our perspectives at Hotel Analyst. If you uh, like what you hear, then please do pop along to hotelanalyst.co.uk to read more and find out how to subscribe. Now this week we're going to start with some regulatory run-ins. There are three stories on this topic that we've kind of spotted and, and are going to be bringing together. Um, ironically, uh, Airbnb, who was once the uh, the troublesome upstart, has uh, got a tick VG at the, on its end of term report from the regulators. Uh, meanwhile, it's the uh, hotel companies that are in the dock over a couple of issues uh, over in the States. It's to do with resort fees, which uh, regulators there have declared are illegal. And uh, over in Europe, uh, Marriott is facing a fine for the uh, data breach it experienced a few months back. Uh, Catherine, do you want to start off by telling us what uh, Airbnb have been doing so right? Um, well, they've been doing it so right because um, the European Commission told them they had to do that so right, you do it now. And, and so they have. And amazingly, everyone is pleased. Of course, it's always best to bear in mind that every single time Airbnb does something, anything at all, it's with their IPO in their <clears throat> in their future sites. And so they have to look all good. And then, of course, they're very good at saying, look how good we are. We are so very good, aren't we? So very good at doing what we should have been doing all along, um, which in this case is not... Um, allowing consumers to book a room or pick a room, search for a room or a tree house or a ship or whatever it is they're searching for, and then going to book and finding that the host has added £400 in, uh, in cleaning fees. Um, we've all been there. Anyone who's used Airbnb has been suddenly shocked by the amount of filth they've managed to generate in the space of 12 hours. Um, but fair enough, fair enough. You can't always get the stuff. <laughs> but now you'll be able to see everything you could possibly wish to pay for all at once. So clarity is everything. Of course, Airbnb will be very, very interested in telling everyone all about this. Um, and it kind of is very similar to the, um, the resort fees issue where the District of Columbia is suing Marriott International over customer deception, which sounds awful, uh, relating to resort fees, which is really more of the same. Um, and recently we've seen the OTAs have been getting a bit rambunctious about resort fees, largely because they think they should have a bit of it rather than any kind of consumer clarity issues one suspects. It may be from a more wholesome background, but who knows. But yes, the unfortunate thing for Marriott International, um, obviously they're not the only people who have resort fees, but they are the only people near the District of Columbia with the headquarters therein, and the Attorney General of the District of Columbia is peeved. One can only assume he's had a difficult time recently at a resort, possibly having issued an Airbnb to go to it. So um, yes, another difficult time for Marriott. And of course, an even more difficult time for Marriott um, in the UK, where the Information Commissioner's Office has, says that it's going to issue a 99 a million pound fine for uh, its Starwood related issues last year. Um, it's nice of it to warn it, of course, um, so which gives them time to get out a press release, uh, alert their lawyers, and we'll see whether the fine comes off. But uh, yes, it's a difficult time to be Marriott, difficult time to draw attention to oneself, and this is the problem with the sector at the moment. Uh, everyone knows about it, people want to invest in it, and that means that other people in the law start looking at it. So, boo. Regulation is necessary and a good thing on the whole, <laughs> um, but it does need to be done properly. Now, this European Commission piece actually, which interestingly was led by Norway, which um, last time I looked is not inside the EU, but uh, we'll park hey, that one. <laughs> well, yeah, but not not as part of the EU. I agree, it's EEA, isn't it? But um, we'll park that for a Brexit discussion another time. But um, 
the what they don't seem to have done is address any of the what, what i would consider much bigger issues like life safety um i w- would should be ought to be number one on the list um but also you've got tax evasion um, and i use the word evasion rather than avoidance because there is clear evidence of evasion going on by a number of and co- probably quite a large number of airbnb hosts um and indeed the the, the yeah, still serious but more minor matter of, uh, sort of planning breaches um left right and center um by many airbnb properties um it just doesn't seem to have been tackled um what they well, this is the, the thing in europe though of course is that airbnb doesn't exist as a real estate player it exists as a platform so but, you can only go from after cons- it from a platform point of view if you're in if well, you're that, one of them European well it's only if you accept so it's yeah, it's only if you accept that definition. And oh, this I don't is what accept it. I think <laughs> no, 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 exactly. And I think that that's what needs challenging. And you know, uh, you know, if you're a consumer rights champion, you ought to be challenging it um, and, and and doing something about it because I, I, you know, I think that is in a, a tricky situation. And if anything, I would argue that what this latest move has done has made it even worse for hoteliers because it's just made airbnb an even more effective competitor because as you just rightly said a lot of people said oh don't go anywhere near airbnb because of all these bonkers fees they had on well now that's not going to be happening consumers will know that's not going to be happening and it makes airbnb look even more interesting one other weird thing um on this whole um european commission investigation was their fixation on whether you're a professional or whether you're a um um, a non-professional host and i i i I, i've done spent what about two hours this afternoon trying to work out um on the airbnb site and and in the in all the deep files on the european commission on this um and there doesn't seem to be a clear definition of what constitutes a professional purveyor of accommodation and a non-professional purveyor and it just seems to rest on almost self-definition if you are a hotelier or a b&b owner you are classed as a professional but if you own a whole block of flats and you rent them out on airbnb you're seen as non-professional which seems a slightly bonkers and I, I don't you know a i don't see really why consumers are going to get that uptight about that and and, and b um you know what, what on earth difference does it make and you seem to be making it harder again for the the ones who are complying with regulations and registrations so if you come into this professional class airbnb then inspects that you've got all of the the right authorization to deal directly with the public it doesn't do any of that if you own a big block of flats and are renting them all out on airbnb um it it seems quite weird and it it, it, this if anything has made the playing field even more unlevel so which is not really ideal i don't think um and well moving on from that and looking at the fine um now i I did a back of the envelope calculation based on the number of people who were impacted by by this leak so it's also 350 million or something like this um and the 7 million in the uk and if you if you reckon that Marriott's going to suffer a fine equivalent for the rest of those people um it, it gets to nearly 5 billion uh, pounds uh, which is you know quite a large amount of money for a fine and i'm not entirely sure uh, what it's for and there is no evidence that any harm has come to any of the consumers there doesn't seem to be any complaints by consumers that something has gone wrong here um so why 
is the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, lev levelling such a huge amount of money on it? And it, it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason about this um, this this very heavy-handed approach. And I, you know, whilst well, I, there was lots of talk before this before this happened that the first person to do a bad GDPR thing would be made a terrible example of, wasn't there? And this is no doubt that. Yeah, but but, but surely you know any fine. You know, it has to be proportionate to the damage that's being done. That should be the basis of it. Not just that this isn't a parking violation, that you're in the wrong place. Surely there should be a proportion. It should be proportionate to the amount that, that you know, that uh, of consumer problems that have been inflicted uh, but it seems that they've taken the parking uh, violation approach on this and only just ramped it up um, and I, I, it doesn't seem to you know it, it's not effective regulation in my view you, what you've got to do is look you're liable and should be held liable if you if you're making a, a mess up here um, uh, that's right and proper and you should be fined for not having things in place but Marriott's complied completely the the ICO says itself that Merit has completely um, gone along with the investigation. It has helped and aided the ICO in its investigation. Uh, why, therefore, are they coming down with such a you know great big boot? I, I, I don't. I, you know, I've got I've got sympathy with with Merit here rather than uh, uh, you know the fact that you know we should be taking care of data. Yes, we should, and consumers need to be protected on that. But this seems an overreaction, and this far more egregious things which ought to be chased down than this particular one. Any thoughts on the uh, the resort fees issue? Well, it's well, it's always outrageous. It was outrageous and ought to be an outlawed. And you know, <laughs> I mean, the Americans, I mean, I don't know why they were so, you know, how how they've got away for, away with it for so long. Actually, I mean, it, it's you know shocking. Actually, I mean, it just it, 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 they sh they shouldn't they shouldn't do it. Um, and it, it's. You know, come on, you know, you've got a consumer brand here. You've got to treat consumers with respect. This is only going to alienate them and aggravate them. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surprised that they were willing to do that. It reminds me, it's, it's a bit like um, uh, fees for Wi-Fi in some regards. Why, why would you do it to antagonise people? Everybody needs Wi-Fi. It's as necessary as having your towels or having um, a hot shower. What, what, why are you going to charge people for it? It just seemed to, you know, from a consumer perspective, you, you just felt like you were being got, um, uh, which frankly they were being got. And it's, it's about time it was stopped. And it's kind of sad that it's taken regulators to, or at least a, a threat of um, being sued um, to put a stop to it. Well, it's, it's curious to me that in the same interview where uh, Arnie Sorensen was uh, defending resort fees, he also admitted that many guests were annoyed by them. But uh, there we are. Um, uh, right, and on to our next topic. We're going to talk about uh, Fraser's Hospitality. Uh, recently uh, announced their uh, annual results of their UK business. And it seems that uh, th things are not going all that well, Catherine. Oh, no, and it's it's difficult, isn't it, with Hotel Javan and Malmaison, for that is which of we speak. Um, they would, It was always so promising, and they were launched, and it was always so promising and so groundbreaking and so copied by so many other people, and then they had all these issues, and then Marriott was going to buy one of them, and then they didn't buy one of them, and then other people were going to buy one of them, and all sorts of things happen all the time. And eventually, further down the line, Fraser's bought them. Great Great, you know, great opportunity, fantastic brands. Can you can you expand them? Uh, who knows? But no, it turns out. And of course, now there are so many other things that have come along that do good F&B. 
um, that there's a lot of competition in the marketplace and uh, it's showing somewhat, particularly given the parlous state of the um, current if you cook stuff in the UK economy, um, which is having about six different types of issues, many of which we've gone into. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's not going to get any better if you have F&B as a large proportion of your, of your hotel, really. Um, just trade in your kitchen for a hot tub, I reckon. It is grim, these numbers, but actually the actual headline number of um, sort of a 90 million loss is nowhere near as actually serious as it seems because 86.5 million of that um, is a, just a write-off on intangibles. Um, so actually the, the true figure in terms of a loss, in terms of the, the impact, it, the, the worrying piece is that operating profit's gone down from 10 million to, to 6 million, which is a significant drop in the space of a year. Um, and there's no clear that sales are broadly holding up. Actual cost of sales were the same. There were, the main increase seems to be in admin expenses which can hide a whole host of things but presumably there are some cost pressures or something else within that why those admin costs have gone up so much um, it's also important to stress this is just Mel and Hotel Duvan here we're not talking about Fraser's um, apartment business in the UK uh, but I, I think in a, in a way this reflects just how bad the casual dining market has been in the UK and H um, Hotel Duvan and Mal are very heavy F&B operations, particularly Hotel Duvan, um, that they are they are very much in the space of the upmarket casual dining players, many of whom have gone completely bust. Um, that was through oversupply. Uh, when you're in, in a market, we've got that secular issue there of simply far, far too many players. There's, you know, there's very little you can do other than hold on. And I think um, what Fraser's makes a very good point um, within within the, the notes that accompanied the accounts um, saying look our business is balanced thanks to it's got beds and it's also got um, this F&B aspect of it but moving on I think the initial question when Fraser's bought Hotel Duvan and Mal was what on earth is a company which specializes in bed factories just doing service departments doing with something which is so intensely F&B where's the synergy what's going on there um, but if you look at how that service department space is evolving um, it, it, it becomes a little bit more apparent what they're not doing is bringing across I think some of those learnings from Mal and HDV into the uh, into the uh, service department space but I'm looking at say the the Capri brand um, which is the fastest growing one apparently in, in Fraser's service department business they've just opened a new one out in Singapore um, and this this brand that they, they talk about it having um, um, a, a place where you can seamlessly work play and interact with a like-minded community but you yeah. look at the services on offer there you've got all of the F and B and stuff like that not quite to the to the same degree in terms of being a being a restaurant but there's lots of that there which is clearly a very service intensive piece and that's clearly where the service department space is um, it's blending with co-living it's blending with the residential side of things it's very interesting to see that evolve and I think hospitality is going to be key to to enabling Fraser's to you know to be a winner in that space so I think that's where the Mal and HDV acquisition made sense I'd just like to see them actually utilize it a bit bit more um, across their their broader hospitality businesses. 
finally we're going to be having a, a brief discussion about what happens next at Thomas Cook where it looks like Chinese uh, conglomerate Fosun is coming into the rescue. Yeah, it's totally coming to the rescue. <laughs> That's what's happened here. Um, but they don't, it's, it's very sad. They're reluctant refinancing. I've been thinking of it as um, Peter Fank has a, issued a statement saying, well, you know, it's not really what we wanted to do. Um, and, and sadness is theirs. But the fact of the matter is they had an absolute stack of debt and it was holding them back. Um, so they needed to get rid of it. And this is what they've done. They tried to sell the airline. Um, and that wasn't going to raise enough money, it looked like. And so it looks like Fosun, existing shareholder, is going to come in and save the day. And so what happens next? This seems very likely this is going to be done. And uh, it's a kind of interesting because, of course, Fosun owns Club Med. And this is the most interesting part of it. What will become of the two of them? Two very strong brands, um, apart from Thomas Cook's recent issues, still a very strong brand. Where will it go? What does it mean? Of course, Club Med is huge in things like skiing in Europe, um, which Thomas Cook has no skiing. And uh, Club Med is huge in family. I didn't know that. Yes. It's huge in skiing. It's huge in skiing. It's absolutely massive massive in skiing. skiing. According to them, they are the biggest supplier of skiing in Europe. Yep. So luxury, luxury, all-inclusive resorts in the Alps and elsewhere. I just thought of Club Med with those beady things, you know, that you use to buy beady your things. drinks with. You know, you put where don't you have beads around your wrist and you use them to do buy you? your drinks? Yeah, that's what you do. Bead? They, they, yeah, beads. You know, beads, as in yeah. you know, the things on string. Okay. Not beans. No. Um, no, you can't pay. No, Andrew, all moved on. <laughs> I said, oh, you tell me they've all digitised. They've got some, some electrical thingy bob you click now, haven't you? Um, I, I think oh, what's fun, either what's way, fun with this. Either way, Club Med are the king of it in skiing. And <laughs> <laughs> Beads or none. <laughs> Beads or none. They're it. So they're it. And but it's what's cooked? Sun. Club Med. Snow. Do you see? What, what, <laughs> what's 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 interesting with Fosun is you know there's the big four in China who coming out which weren't um, directly controlled by the government as we know that um, most Chinese businesses are in some way beholden to the to the Chinese government but they're not directly controlled by them so you had Fosun you had Wanda you had HNA and you had uh, Anbang Anbang the insurance company Anbang yes who bought. Um, um, the Waldorf. So what, what, what's happened with that big four? Three of them have all sort of departed from the scene um, at the behest of the Chinese government. Uh, Fosun actually ran into trouble earlier amongst the big back in 2015 when one of its key executives disappeared for a period mm. and then um, came back <laughs> with a different view on life. Um, rather like the executive um, from H&A who walked too close Did to a low wall back. in the south of France. He didn't come back <laughs> Actually, um, um, and H&A changed their direction thereof. Um, but what's interesting, Fosun has been allowed to carry on and come out here buying stuff, um, and so they're they're at it. But um, uh, so it will be, as you say, um, interesting to see what they do with this and whether they move forward and more rapidly than say Xinjiang did with the Louvre acquisition, for example, to actually make use of the connections. Um, but uh, 
the other part I think this highlights is the difference that's currently there between the multiples of hotel companies and all other travel companies and um, this has been highlighted in a few analysts reports and uh, uh, something that really surprised me actually and the first time I can ever remember seeing this is that the multiple now and, and if you're looking at the EV EBITDA multiple um, it's actually higher for hotel companies and this was in the Morgan Stanley report um, and they they have a blended weighted average of um, European listed hotel companies um, and they compared the multiple there at 14.2 times um, against would you believe it it's higher than for online travel companies at um, the OTAs um, at uh, 14.0 and very very much higher um, than for uh, tour operators and airlines which seem to be really struggling um, and uh, it, why is this happening why is there such a big separation between that and Bernstein analysts at Bernstein come up with a few um, ideas on why this was I'm not totally convinced by by all of them um, but they're, they're suggesting that the asset light model of uh, hotel companies is proving the way forward I'm not sure I think Thomas Cook is no, pretty asset light money as well yeah yeah quite <laughs> yeah so uh, it, it's 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 interesting to to see this this that you know the first time to see hotel companies so much more in favor with stock market investors than any other travel company um and particularly the otas um that's that's highly notable for me which that was something that popped up when i was having a look at this story We'll finish this week's podcast and we'll see you soon. Bye for now.